So Lent is a confrontation with everything wrong with the world pulled up by the roots and dragged out to the cross of Christ. The liturgy echoes the cry. This close to the cross, things get dark, angry, bitter. Even the liturgy accents the grief. This Sunday will be called Passion Tide. Crosses in your church might get veiled in the morning. The glory of pottery might be gone. Hearts are overcast with shame, and shame does funny stuff to a person. There are just some scabs that we don't want picked at, some things that we don't want dug up. Some things really do cut deeper than others. Our confidence in God our purity of body wrapped in the guise of a clean conscience. When those things suffer hurt, we bury them. And seeing what they look like underneath all of the excuses, underneath the jokes that we make, underneath the time or the blame that we pass around like the casserole that nobody actually wants at the potluck, it just, it's ugly. When it looks this bad, we tend to turn on anybody who would ever dare to dig those things up. When it hurts this much, we will even turn on God. These are the cries that I have heard so many times that I have lost count. Yet every single person who cries out in frustration and anger at him thinks they have made some sort of brave discovery. Why should we care about God's word when God doesn't seem like he cares about us? Abraham died. God told him to kill his own kid before that. We suffer. And if God actually cared so much, he'd stop it. If God really actually cared so much about all the rules that he made, the people who broke them wouldn't get so far ahead. So when it comes to things like chastity, forget it. Nobody even uses that word anymore. We belittle it into jokes about metal underwear with keyholes when it's our own discomfort with what we're doing that is what actually shows. That's just, it's a lot easier to joke about those kinds of things than talk about the things that show just how much shame we carry. And all jokes aside, the word chastity really only means like, what if God thought that having a healthy, happy marriage was a good thing and the things that took away from it were bad? He calls it sin, not to encourage us to bottle up shame with jokes and unleash it as bitterness, but because sin is the name for the thing that leads to the suffering in the first place. It's, it's a diagnosis. It was never supposed to be a cure. You can stop using the word, but you can't actually stop hurting because the disease is still there. So of all of the jokes that we make to belittle what Christians believe, all we're really doing is airing out our own shame and misery. The concept of virtue, it tends to play second to the concept, though, of immediate happiness. So... We lash out at anything, God included, for criticizing our vice. How would I even know if this is true at all? If he cared, he would prove it to me. But that is called unbelief. Repent. The same thing that Pharaoh said while Moses sent plague after plague after plague. Because outside of faith, nobody ever recognizes miracles for what they are. It's something that we refuse to see, refuse to hear. And so we show ourselves for what we really are. The reason that we do not hear the word of God as a piece of hope is because there is something inside of us that rebels against that. And you can be whatever you want to be. You can call Abraham your father, like the, the, the old temple Israel, like the Jews of old, but even they in their, their rage knew something was wrong. Today in our text, they criticize Jesus and point out that Abraham died. But what they really end up showing is something that most of us inside of the church really struggle with actually saying out loud. You can find happiness in unbelief. You can find a great deal of satisfaction in lashing out against God, but death comes for all. You can go to death mad at God, 
ignoring him completely or happy in vice. You can go afraid, convinced that you are alone. You can go hoping in some kind of legacy that you have built will live on past you. But no matter what, you're going. The difference is that the faithful see death as only a portal, a defeated enemy, not sort of a wait while I got more to do portal, not, not even a what's going to happen after we die kind of portal, absolutely not a I hate church, so why would I want to worship even more in the resurrection kind of portal, but well, we'll just step through it and keep going into everything that should be because, well, Abraham is not dead. He's alive. The Jesus fighting with the Pharisees is God, the same God who saved him. Before Abraham was, says Jesus, I am. Not just I was, but I am. Jesus invokes the name of God, I am Yahweh. He says, I am God, here. Here for the Pharisees, here for the sinners, here for everyone who suffers under the wages of sin, under death, under shame, here for you, here for me, and even here for the people who don't want him around because they have got too much shame to actually drag it out and hold it up to him. He comes not for us to offer up the things that we can't part with, but to take them from us. The reason that everybody is so upset when Jesus is around is that, well, it's not just that he won the argument. It's that he claimed he was God here to save what they thought was unsavable, here to save sinners, dead people, us. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is life everlasting in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Lent gives that gift to you. Here is where you actually see what God's love for you looks like. He calls you not to do the things that lead to pain and death, and you can get upset and do it anyway, but he loves you so much that he forgives you your sin by taking the punishment himself. My sin, everything that I have bottled up and hid, your sin, every awful deed, every bit of bitterness that would turn on God in brokenness. We don't have to excuse them or hide them. Jesus steals them from us, places them on a cross, and gives you only love and mercy. You can see it there on that cross. You are worthy of love because God loves you. You are forgiven because God died for you. You are holy because you are baptized. God sees you by this act, the things that he has done for you. How could he not care for you? He died for you. What is there left to be ashamed of? By that death, you are holy. You have no sins left to be ashamed of. The cross even obliterates the wages of sin, death, your death. He turns that death into a door to just more life. So Abraham in faith was saved too. He'll peek through the veil on that mountain and see life for all in the transfiguration. So sure that his son will come back down from the mountain, he tells his servant Isaac will be back before he even knows how. The Lord provides. That's what he names the mountain. God's law demands more than we can possibly give, and I understand if that's all you have to go on why you might be angry, but his mercy provides everything that the law demands. The Lord provides. And so for Abraham, who was told to sacrifice his kid, he stuck the Lord stuck a ram in the thickets to be the sacrifice to save Isaac. On that mountain where Jesus was nailed to a cross, he provided the way for sinners to live. And we possess the same life because we possess the same word, not just the Bible, not just the book, but the literal word that become flesh for us, Jesus. We possess the life that he has won for us, even the truth as well. And it's sharp. It is sharp enough that we even cut ourselves on it sometimes, but it, it saves because, well, it cut death down. We hear the word. We keep it. We will not taste death. We will see the day of the Lord as a gladness because it's not meant to be a burden. It's meant to be salvation. This close to the cross, things get a little bit cut and dry. But for us, that as Christians becomes a good thing 
because he can have all my sins. I don't need to justify them or defend them from him. He can take them because they were killing me anyway. He doesn't wait for me to figure that out on my own either. He just does it. My sins are forgiven because Jesus died for me, not because I'm a good person. Your sins are forgiven because Jesus died for you. And let that be enough. But this close to Lent, we get to start to see where that forgiveness was won so that when things look bleak, we have something to hang on to. Christ bore the cross for you.